Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Overfor mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. Uh, today we're going to have a little bit of show and tell. We're going to be adding things to uh, the 90s CD-ROM encyclopedia Encarta, and we're going to get to the bottom of life's mysteries. For example, who buys perfumes on planes? Who puts that little square of carpet in hotel safes? And I'd first like to uh, <laughs> introduce our sponsor, Hot Childcare. If you've tried hot yoga, now treat your offspring to the world's first 28-degree nursery. I didn't sign that off. <laughs> <laughs> It's happening, though, isn't it? Yeah. You all right, Luke? Yeah, I'm pretty well, thanks. We're just going to spend our summer messing about, um, yeah. trying to throw things at each other that that fascinate yeah. and enthrall us each. I mean, put it another way, um, you mentioned earlier we, we've paid for the studio time, we've got a summer off, uh, and I might just add to that if you don't mind, we've got no other interests. No. So we might as well just be together. <laughs> yeah. my, my wife's accepted it, yeah. she's endorsed it. She's just happy of the time away. You haven't even got a wife. I know. Maybe I'll find a wife over the summer, <laughs> and we can talk about it on this podcast. Is this what that vehicle? Is that what this vehicle is? Find my wife. <laughs> Sponsored by findmywife.com. <laughs> well, listen, coming up first, I believe Peter is um, the uh, the section we very very creatively called show and tell. Maybe yeah. a hark back to your school days, mm. and, and you know, it's not one of those things that people talk about in school days, which is a cliche. I'll oh, show and tell. As far as I'm aware, I mean, I definitely did show and tell. You must have done it too. I and mean, what, what did schools in the north of England do? Well, I didn't do show and tell. Because because I wasn't part of an American high school. What is wrong with you? What were you up to on the South Coast? Uh, we, we definitely called it show and tell, and we definitely did it more, um, I think, more commonly, uh, first or second class or day back after a holiday period. We would just fill our time with writing diaries. Which in my school we'd call a uh, vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where we'd go to Palm Springs. Yeah. Or, uh, Before we start the new semester. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, we would spend most of our time doing like little diaries of what we'd done at the weekend. Yeah, we did that as well. Yeah, I would always lie because I had such boring weekends every weekend I'd go to my nan's or every holiday I'd spend like a week at my nan's or something or a mm. few days at my nan's and uh, I'd come back and I'd make up these fantastical stories about uh, going to Woolworths for example yeah. and getting there at half past eight when it opened and uh, the staff being so impressed with me getting there <laughs> uh, so early that they gave me three free video games complete lie yeah. the teacher knew it I knew it but she enjoyed my uh, thoughtfulness can I, can, can I ra- ratchet that up a notch right. um, and one of the stories I did when I was a kid at junior school I can remember actively I had a friend a good friend of mine called James Wern lo- lovely chap 
uh, he lived opposite me, and I was such good friends with him. I'd re- you know, when you get, you're at that age, I really wanted him to be my brother. Oh. Uh, but, he, but he wasn't, obviously. I didn't have a brother, and I still don't. Um, and, um, I'm and, your brother. Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. And I wrote a story saying that he was my brother, but he went to another school. Oh, but the thing is, the thing, the problem with that is you don't really think of your parents and your teachers actually knowing each other, because they're separate. No. They're separate. They're, they're, they're what they were called in, in the great philosophical and theological debates of the time, non-overlapping magisteria. <laughs> right? But obviously they're not in reality. So straight away, I mean, they, they, the first thing that the teacher's going to know about you if you've got a brother or sister or something. Mm. And so, yeah, that fell on deaf ears, and I was probably quite embarrassed at the time. But I think what that does show, Pete, is that you and I have got quite creative minds, perhaps. Yeah, we invent brothers. So but my, 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 <laughs> the scale of my lying ambition was probably a bit greater than yours. Yeah, mine was capitalism. Mine was just <laughs> getting more than I deserve. I could make up anything I want. Three video games at Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> I think I named them each one of them as well. Did one you? was Ghostbusters. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one of them I think might have been Jet Set Willy 2 and yeah. the other one I can't remember what the other one is well those two are both very solid games what, what platform are we talking ZX Spectrum uh, I'm sorry CBC 6128 ok I had a BBC Micro Oh, school I kids. I know, I know. Did, I your ma- did your mum and dad get it off the school yeah they did cause for we were, education yeah because we were poor <laughs> Yeah, we were poor, but my dad favoured uh, video games and computers more than... He sold his motorbike for his first uh, computer. A few minutes in, we're already talking about who was the poorest growing up. <laughs> so, so British. <laughs> right, oh. should we move on to the first part of the show? All right, then. Do you want to go... Do you want to nip in there first, mate? Like, like the uh, the fox and the box striker that you no- so regularly are? <laughs> um, so this is Sean Taylor. This is me showing you something, or, or basically explaining what I've got in my hands. Yeah. Well, basically, you know how I, like, properly bum Japan? I'm yeah. back and forth, like you wouldn't believe. Well, uh, last time I came back, I brought uh, a book. I bought a book, rather, about um, Japanese ghosts. Okay, fascinating. And, like, the, the, the Japanese idiosyncrasies, the, the craziness didn't just start this cent- century. It's been going on for centuries. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. The Japanese love ghosts. They're mm-hmm. obviously a spooky nation. They're obsessed with death. Are there any um, main differences in what you would call maybe a Japanese-type ghost and the sort of ghost traditions we have in the West? Um, I think they're a little bit more creative. Okay. Uh, they're, they're, they're certainly a little, bit, a little bit more cartoony, and a lot of um, Japanese kind of uh, manga and uh, anime and stuff like that are kind of based on these kind of stories. Right. So it's all very historical and it's all very there's a great tradition to storytelling in, in Japanese culture as right. there is obviously in, in ours as well but um, I think it's probably got something to do with the fact that there's a lot of like Shintoism in in, in, in their uh, lives and, and um, heaven is actually quite a glum and like horrible place to be in Shintoism right. it's, it's like Hades <laughs> it's really... well, what, what is the point of that? Uh, well what do you mean what is the point well, of... so why, why would you aspire to go there I mean what, what, well, because heaven, heaven obviously oh, right. is a place you aspire to go to, so because and, and therefore it has to be good. There's just a lot of grieving. Yeah, I, I don't think you no, know, I don't think there is an aspirational thing. I think it's just okay. kind of like a, when you die, you spend the afterlife protecting the people who are, who you know on on Earth. So oh, okay, it's, I didn't know that. Okay, it's not, it's not right. right. So Japanese ghosts then? Yeah, Japanese ghosts. There's just a lot of really creative ghosts, mm-hmm. and they each... are they like are they sort of like Indian type gods. But there's many of them. Well, there's 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 billions of them. There's absolutely billions of them. Right. It's like they're like Pokemon. It's probably okay. what it's based on, to be honest. But right. like, uh, they uh, spend their time just doing uh, naughty things or little jobs and stuff like that. But I've, I've sort of isolated two that are really really fa- fascinating. Okay. Um, the Tenjo Name, right? It combines Tenjo ceiling and Name lick, right? 
Yeah. So I mean, this is exactly as I'd expect it to go. What do you with, mean? With Japan. Because that's just my, yeah. pro- probably prejudice, but my idea of Japan is just that I've never been, I've never visited, I know you've been a number of times, I've never been, mm. it is that it's crazy, lots goes on that you, it doesn't necessarily have any logical explanation to, to Westerners. Mm. And that, to me, you've, you've got a Japanese ghost stories book there. The first one you've brought to the table is one that translates literally to, to sealing liquor. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly what this man does. So basically, uh, it licks ceilings. Uh, it comes out of the darkness on cold winter nights and uh, just licks away any accumulated frost or dirt on the ceiling. <laughs> it's very specific, it isn't is it? It is very specific. Can they, and they just have, they're very specialised, they don't have sort of one... They've all got, yeah, they've all got little jobs. Okay. It's very strange, so... So it, it's almost like a patron saint type vibe, isn't it? What, the patron saint of licking ceilings? Well, there probably is one. There's a patron saint <laughs> of everything else. You know, there's patron saints for everything, isn't there? When you get, like, a bit of steam in your room, uh, maybe you're having a hot bath or whatever, and there's steam on the... Uh, on the ceiling uh, it's the saliva of the ceiling liquor. ceiling liquor and it's a very nice looking book I mean it's essentially just a compendium of listing, listing all of the books yeah, all of the ghosts sorry that, that are and, knocking about and some beautiful kind of like uh, 16th century drawings of said um, of said ghosts as well I, I definitely recommend it and uh, yeah it, it just licks away at the ceiling um, if you catch sight of the Tenjin army though while it's licking away at your ceiling yeah. you die Right. right. See, see, that's another thing yeah. I, I associate with this type of stuff. <laughs> if you see, it's like, I mean, obviously, admittedly, and I will comp- totally uh, sort of admit to this, it's all based on the film I've seen called The Ring. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know... You watch it, then you die. <laughs> well, they... Is that uh, the same with all the ghosts, or just this particular one? I think it's just, just Japanese literature just seems to be filled with... Uh, there's, there's a certain word that's not available in any other language, and it's literally uh, testing out your sword by killing a merchant. Right. And that's it. It's just a word that isn't used for any other part of, of life, just the act of killing a merchant on a lonely, um, dark path mm. uh, during the dead of night mm. with a sword. I feel like other nations, other languages... Could learn a lot. No, well, well, yes, but also other, nation, other languages do a much better line in these really specific meanings yeah. of words than, than English. Mm. Like, obviously, a classic example would be Schadenfreude, which, um, mm. the, the, you know, the, the, taking joy from someone else's misfortune. Mm. It's not as specific as you've mentioned no. there but we don't really have that we don't we're not really as adept at that in english are well, we well i think the the, the the foreigners they sort of sit back and take things in don't they we're so mouthy and so kind of like we're like oh we know what's going on this this and that this is our language but the, but the other people go well let's find a word for that but we yeah. just think we're too we're too good for that I think. yeah no so absolutely the whole point of the ceiling liquor is that if you're tucked away at bed at night and you hear something crawling along the ceiling just keep your eyes shut tight because the ceiling liquor made Get you. Turn his tongue on you. <laughs> I actually Googled the ceiling liquor, uh, the, um, what's his name? Uh, Tenjin Army. And uh, the first comment on an article basically detailing um, the Tenjin Army and having loads of pictures, uh, it said, uh, interesting article. Do any of the legends say exactly how the Tenjin Army is able to reach the ceiling? <laughs> that's the way. That, that's the first that's question, the, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Did he climb up there? I'm on board <laughs> with a post death apparition yeah. that's only li- reason for being about is licking the ceiling. Yeah. Let Let's talk logistics. <laughs> Let's talk logistics. Has he got a little cherry picker? A little <laughs> yeah. ghostly cherry picker? Middle of the night, have you heard? <laughs> I mean, he could technically, since he's a ghost, just stick his head, his or her, I guess, yeah. uh, just stick his head through the roof. Yeah. He can stand on the roof or float on the roof, stick his head through, move his neck, you know, 180 yeah. degrees and lick away, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> second. This is taking a turn already. The I thought second, it would take a turn, but well, it's taking a turn so quickly. Get ready for this one. I am ready. You have a magical ball in your butt and the capper want it. Right. Right. 
Basically, there's two <laughs> versions of this this little ghosty monster, this okay. demon. This uh, what's it called? Uh, the Kappa. Okay. All right. In modern stories, it's actually quite cute and quite harmless. You'll see it in cartoons quite a lot. Uh, but during the Edo uh, period, there were monsters who had a particularly vicious method of, of killing their victims. Uh, they. <laughs> It's said that human beings have something in their body called the uh, Shirikodama, right. which translates as small anus ball. Okay. The ball is nestled either immediately inside the anus or deeper inside the intestines. Either way, the kappa Wants it. have a preferred method of extraction. Right. They basically... <laughs> he spit, this, this kappa is spitting bricks for this thick ball up your bum. Oh, it really, it really wants it. So yeah. the kappa consider the sh- Shirikodama to be a delicious delicacy, right. and they eat it as soon as it's removed. Uh, and, I mean, there's various kind of depictions of this Shirikodama, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, there's one that kind of extracts the Shirikodama and holds it far away from his face and clearly is disgusted by the item. Why he's pulled it out in the first place... Yeah. If he knew it was going to be like that, I mean... He's like a man who's bought a load of pickled eggs and we're like, oh, yeah, pickled yeah. eggs, this is disgusting. You, so, you feel like you want to say to the capper, is this your first one? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you knew about this... Are you trying to acquire a taste for this? You've got no one to blame but yourself. It's like yeah. me and snails. Every yeah. time I go to a really posh restaurant, I go, snails, please. Mm. I hate them. I think everyone says, oh, they just taste of butter. They don't taste of butter, they taste of grass. I, I, quite like, I, I, I would say garlicky grass, yeah. It I quite just like tastes them. like grass, it's but disgusting. To go back to your pickled eggs thing... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a man who has a voracious appetite for fish and chips. I'll go. Right. There's a great one near where I live in South London. Uh, There's one in my building called um, one in Poppies. Your building. I know that was the worst thing ever. I was like, I, this better be disgusting. And yeah. I walked in, bought a fish supper. It was delicious. I was like, you bastards. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've, I'm, I've moved beyond. I'm, I'm a homeowner now, so I don't, I don't worry about that sort of stuff. But yeah, what so you're saying? Uh, you... I wouldn't buy a property with a fish and chip <laughs> shop in it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's very much your brand, though. Isn't it? <laughs> it, is, yeah, it, would, it would be very good, strong for my personal brand, but. <laughs> I've, I've, I've thankfully not gone down that path, but the one near me um, down in South London, I should name check it really, um, Kennedy's, is fantastic. Shout out to Kennedy's. Yeah, but, but. Not, back, listen, you're not going to get free chips, mate. Well, we'll see. Go back to, I get free chips anyway the amount of time I go in there. <laughs> um, the, um, the, the, the thing about fish and chips is that there used to be a tradition when I was, when I was younger, but when I was sort of young enough, too young to probably go out with my pals on Saturdays. Mm. Saturday nights I would go to the football and I'd go back to my nan and granddad's and my granddad would always get fish and chips and ever since I absolutely oh. loved them right but then as as is now I've never had any sort of hankering of it for a pickled egg I can't understand that I, I do like eggs but I'm not a pickled egg man at all if you uh, no because I mean, you grow up a little bit and you sort of you like eggs obviously who doesn't like eggs but yeah. like you 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 start to admire pickled things like you, oh I completely agree with that like the gherkins do you like gherkins no I, I lo- absolutely love pickled onions right yeah I don't, I don't particularly like gherkins, no. I think pickled onions might be all right to eat. Like they're quite good for you. Like Probably, yeah, the, well, they're, they're imagine... quite low. They're, they're quite sugary. But, but... My, my granddad used to also pickle his own onions, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> um, and, is he and, a shirikodama? And the way, the way, <laughs> yeah, the way I is said that. A shirikodama. <laughs> the great thing is, I said my granddad used to pickle his own onions, like making yeah. out like he's passed away. He's not passed away. He's right. can't bother anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't do it anymore. Um, I'll pickle my last onions. Yeah, but he used to pickle them with with obviously a lot of pickling spices, vinegar, and sugar. Right. So I think they might be quite sugary. Yeah. But um, other than that, I can't see anything wrong with them. Do personally. you know? And yes, I am a medical professional. Do you know who, uh, which famous person used to pickle uh, onions and uh, they once sent us a, a bit, a bit, a jar, uh. and uh, they were really nice? No. He is a film reviewer from the 80s and 90s. 
Oh, not um, Barry thing. Barry Norman. Barry Norman, Barry yeah. Norman, and I think to this very day, still pickles onions, if indeed he's still with it's us. Great bit of true of that. Maybe he'll stop pickling onions one day. I hope not. <laughs> we all hope not. Anyway, th- those... Well, they are delicious. Those two ghosts, in, it's an excellent... Um, you set so, the bar yeah, very so, high so, so, so one guy's just basically just jamming his hand in... Up your to, bum. Up your bum. But yeah. apparently it comes from... The most commonly accepted origin is that drowning victims often have an open or extended anus looking as if oh, something's okay. been taken out of it. Right. So bodies that drown in a river or an ocean and then washed up on shore might have looked like something had been forcibly extracted from its anus. Right. And there's actually quite humorous cartoons of uh, <laughs> of like Japanese chaps lifting up their kimonos or whatever the male version of a kimono is and uh, showing his bum to the ocean and it's called fishing for kappa. fishing for kappa. Fishing for kappa. And kappa, me- kappa, of course, is the, um, <laughs> is the popular sporting <laughs> so, so brand. So there was me thinking they're just a sporting brand. <laughs> yeah. Did you have that when you were at school and obviously like you um, covered up one of the legs of the people so it looked like it was a lady spreading yeah. her showing her shirakadama no, off? Didn't you have to didn't you have to cover the top of the logo? Yeah, so it looked like so a spread, it spread just one legs. person, yeah. Spread le- yeah, I do remember that, yeah. See, yeah. It, if only the teachers knew how filthy Kappa could even get, even how, worse than that. How creative their students could be. <laughs> it wasn't just inventing video games and brothers. <laughs> it, was, it was making uh, terrible, terrible icons out mm. of uh, sporting brand manufacturers. So, I mean, Kappa is now like a, a friend, like friendly mascots and stuff. Like You see them right. on the front of buildings or like, you know, accompanying food I wouldn't be surprised like at all if Pokemon was based on this stuff. I mean, my, in my yeah. rudimentary understanding of both of the things, I wouldn't be understood at all. Do, do, uh, uh, that's an excellent. You set the bar very high there. Oh, Peter. do you want one, one final yeah, one? Yeah, go on. Cheeky one. Of course, I, yeah, I thought yeah. I had two, but I've actually got three. No, go on. Uh, Beto Beto San. People know this one quite well, so if people are listening. So you probably know this one. Am I right in saying San is like a term of, term of endearment? Like it's a person, effect. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, 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 if I said Pete San, it's like Aiden yeah, I think San is uh, San is person. Uh, Kun, I think, is uh, a child. Because um, Kun Aguero, he comes the football player, he comes from his, his, his similarity to a Japanese cartoon character, doesn't he? Oh, is that right? I think so. Yeah, and. And one of the things that used to be quite annoying to my smug sort of 15-year-old self is that I found out about that sand thing quite early. Right. And it used to really annoy me when people used to think in the film Karate Kid that he was saying Daniel Sun. Right, OK. But he's yeah. not. He's saying Daniel San, isn't it's he? It's an honorific term. Exactly. So, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, so better, better, San. Uh, it's an on- onomatopoeic uh, word, better, better. Yeah. And it's uh, literally just the sound that footsteps make. Better, 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 better. So if you that, walk... That's, in- strangely, that's the most terrifying word. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're walking down a, a lonely road at night and you hear footsteps behind you, don't be alarmed. You've probably attracted the attention of uh, the yokai, the ghost. Uh, better, better, San. Right. Uh, if what's, you're, what's he going to do? So basically, all you do to get rid of him is um, you just step to one side of the road and say, oh, please, better, better, son, you first. And with that said, better, better, son, he, he just walks on. So how, how many people have been com- sort of confused for better, better, son? It's, it's just a person. What do you, oh, wait, so, so you walk on the street. Go, better, better, son. Oh, it's Dave. Call me a sceptic. You walk on the street on your own. You hear footsteps behind yeah. you. I'm going to say nine times out of ten it's a person. Or rapist. <laughs> they're still people. Whether you like to admit that or not, they're still people. Oh, what's so, this? So, I didn't know this was the rapist outreach program so if, podcast. If I, if I was walking down the street and I heard a, um, if I heard a uh, footsteps behind me, I look around, no one's there. Yeah. If I was in Japan, I would You'd say, say "Please, better, better, son, after you." Yeah. And that's fine. They and then you get rid- then you get rid of it. So oh, it yeah. It's good to know that a terrifying ghost is it holds. <laughs> Lightness so highly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you ever seen a ghost in, in real life, IRL? No. The, new, the newest thing I can think of to that, to that question, that rather obvious question you were about to ask me since the start, <laughs> is that when I was... Because I thought, oh, but you asked me this. Um, when I was... A, I grew up in, in, a, in a town near Portsmouth, and it was a, it's, a, it's a military town, mm. and as a result... All a the lot, ghosts had guns. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of dead people. No, as a, as a result... Um, 
Um, there's all. I don't know if you had my where you where you grew up, and I'm not sure if it's specific to my area. There's all these little sort of quite small brick. Uh, Anderson shelters, right? Okay, like yeah. Air raid shelters, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, 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 yeah. because it was so heavily, heavily bombed in, in the Second World War, and, they, and and to an extent, um, you'd find them dotted all over the place. Mm. So you'd find them down back alleyways. You'd find them in in parks. Great place to yeah take so, heroin. So, so basically, well, well, absolutely, and mm. and that is that is essentially what a lot of them have been used for <laughs> and remain useful to, to this day. But utilitarianism, uh, mate. Yeah, indeed. Um, but what used to happen is, as a result of this. Um, we would people would say oh, they're haunted. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because because if you if you ha- if you're listening and you haven't seen one of these, it's essentially like a three or four four foot high brick building with a little roof on it, mm. which and, and half of it is underground. So yeah. it's, it's actually say six or seven foot in depth. Yeah. But the only three or four. So like, like, a, like a pillar box slash bus, bus shelter slash kind basically of thing. Yeah, yeah, but set into the ground, mm. and, and you'd have to go downstairs. Mm. And they didn't have doors on them. Yeah. So essentially, what used to happen as you just said, people would shoot heroin in them, or people would you know just I don't know whatever. And people would say, oh, they're haunted, they're haunted. And when you saw one during the day, it was perfectly normal. Yeah. And sometimes we used to go for sleepovers around each other's houses when we were, like, 13 or 14. And, of course, like, you would nip out and go for little night walks and stuff. Mm. And you'd always sort of dare each other to go into these little... And, 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 they were chilling, though. I mean, there'd be nothing in there apart from, like, pornography and yeah, old cans. It would, it would always be... Mate, it would always be um, old, empty cans of beer and yeah. porn mags, yeah. basically. But you'd be... In, at night, you'd be terrified, absolutely terrified. Yeah. But I can't honestly say I've ever seen anything. There, there was uh, I went to a school which was quite big on, on performing arts, and as a result, there was a stage, and, 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 and they used to put on productions like three, three or four times a year. Mm. And the guy used to, the teacher used to run all those, insisted there was a ghost on the stage, and he would say, every stage has got a ghost. Mm. But I, I've never, ever seen it. And, and I'm, I'm a sceptic on this. I'm a, I'm a complete sceptic, but I'm not one of those sort of like snooty scientist sceptics, oh, don't be so stupid, get mm. over it, get on with your life. I, I am interested in it, yeah. but I've never seen anything at all to, to, to sort of sway me beyond scepticism. I, I don't know about you. I'm, d- I'm definitely in the um, science, I can't be asked. Oh, so big... you're not, you won't even entertain it? No, a bit, well, I just feel complete. Maybe I just feel a bit left out. I'm not enchanted by magic or magicians. When you know, a trick happens, you go, "That's pretty impressive," you know. But magicians I, I realise that it's just lying. Magicians have a tough, <laughs> tough time of it these days because you have to be urban, or you're just considered a paedophile. <laughs> You have to be urban, don't you? Like Dynamo, David Blaine, yeah. they're the successful ones. Do- because yeah. if you watch sort of Dynamo when he first started, he just looked like he just always looked damp. Do you know yeah. what I think? He always looked a bit damp. He's very small, very very skinny and slight. Yeah, and he yeah. always wore like um, like sort of training uh, jogging bottoms and stuff. That's and right. Yeah, like, he just looked like yeah. the the lad down the road. But I don't know why you're making that connection because that's just sleight of hand, like clever, clever work. It's not. No one's no one's saying to you. No one's saying to you, Pete. Honestly. Oh, by the way. That thing I just made you look like happened. No mm. one's actually saying that happened. No, but I'm just... Well, he is. That's exactly what he's saying. Yeah, but no one actually thinks it's happened. They just think, isn't that clever that he's made it look Some like that's happened? Some people do, though. Some people do believe in magic and they believe people in... People who watch ITV, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but, uh, I th- no, the only time I've ever been... The last time I was really spooked out was actually in Japan. I was on the Island of the Rabbits, you know, right. in, in the Second World War. Uh, there was testing on this island uh, just off the coast of... It's near, but it's, it's, it's off the coast of Osaka, I think. But either way, um, myself and my mate went on this island uh, and basically, back in the day, they did a lot of testing testing on these rabbits and um, at the end of the war they just let a couple of rabbits free from the from, from they were testing like chemical weapons. Did they on go at it like rabbit, like They rabbits. went at it like rabbits and yeah. saw the entirety of this island is just covered in rabbits, and they call it Rabbit Island. Right? Why do they call it Rabbit Island? Say again. Why do they call it Rabbit Island? 
<laughs> I can't remember. Is it Orchid Cashuna or something like that? I don't know. Anyway. But you, you buy bags of feed... Get the ferry over. That's encouraging. And just, <laughs> I know. Well, it's, you know, it's a charming little... There's nothing really on there, but there are a lot of, like, air raidy kind of sheltery bits where they, you know, store mu- munitions and stuff like that. Right. And uh, I went down there, and even though it's all blocked off, but there are certain chambers you can walk in, mm. even during the day, there's just something... The ghosts of, like, you know, anything a bit militaristic, anything a bit, like, that, that, that isn't used anymore, anything mm. disused is just absolutely chilling, but at the same time, yeah. quite exciting. I, th- I think I think there might be something in the fact that human beings can sense something that's perhaps gone in the past that's got a little bit of a sort of... something we don't fully understand. I'm not saying that it's always just old, you know, old Auntie Jackie or whatever who's died and, and mm. come back to tell you that, you know, you should look after your mum or whatever. It's, it, I, mean, I mean, like, it's just the presence of something. Like, to me, it, sound, it seems perfectly reasonable that would exist because there's lots of things in the universe that we don't know about mm. and that will always be the case. Someone, I so, think stillness and quiet yeah. are, are two big things as but, well and, 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 and something and it being quite warm and then suddenly getting quite chilly because you're underground. Yeah, that's the temperature's got a big, big, big part to playing it. You, you know, something when you talked about the rabbit iron, the first thing I thought of when you're talking about the way it sort of manifests itself and what it's like now, it's just the first thing I thought of was just there just be it would just be three or four foot deep in rabbit shit because, <laughs> and it's not no no. No, it's 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 a it's big enough to hold a lot of rabbits. The reason I say that is because my um, my uncle is a Victorian military historian. And he um, spends a lot of his time um, sort of researching and looking into all the Victorian forts along the south coast. Yeah. Um, There's loads of them, isn't there? They started off with them as, like, music venues and... and Yeah, that's right, Airbnbs and that. Some of them are hotels and Mm. private homes and that sort of stuff, and some of them are military facilities now. But the reason they built them is because I think the British government for a while were convinced that Napoleon was going to invade from the south coast. They built all these fortifications. Anyway, they're still there, a lot of them. And my dad used to go along with his brother, my uncle, um, when they would find one that would necessarily be falling into disrepair. And he'd, cut, and he'd go away for the weekend and help renovate it. And, um, and, um, and that's what my mum said he was doing. No, but anyway, <laughs> uh, no, but he would come back and I'd say, what was it like? And he would say, to be honest, it was like six feet deep of like pigeon shit. Yeah. It's just pigeon shit everywhere. Yeah. And, it, and, and sometimes it, it's so bad they can't go there, they have to get environmental health in to do it first and yeah. that sort of stuff. So I thought that's what Rabbit, Rabbit Island near, would be near like. The, uh, near the uh, Tyne Bridge, there's this corner of the Tyne Bridge where there's always just birds just shitting off the side of it. Right. And on certain days, certain warm days, it's you puke in your mouth. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's just... Uh, it's just a big sheet, thick sheet of uh, pigeon shit. Something so. for everyone to get behind there, isn't it? Pigeon there? be shitting. First of all, um, first of all, it's Japanese ghosts, and then it's, uh, and then it's literally shit. Indeed. Um, I've got something for show and tell as well. Do you want to hear it? Get it out. Right, so what I happened upon um, a, n- a number of months ago, I used to work with a guy called Mike, good, good guy, um, mm-hmm. but I'll protect the innocent, I won't give you a surname. Lovely chap, and I worked with him for a while, and he left, and he moved to, to, to New York City. And well, he'll be easy to find on your Facebook. I'm going yeah. to do that right now. Oh, yeah. Mike's not a common name, is it? Yeah, but if he's in New York... I don't mind you knowing him. I just, I just don't want <laughs> to open him up to the literally tens of listeners we're going to have. Um, anyway, so he, as a, he's a very generous chap, very nice man, and he, and, and he left me a great book when he, when he, um, when he left. And mm. he said, look, this is a fantastic book, you'll enjoy it. And it's the Guinness Book of Military Blunders by Jeffrey Regan. <laughs> um, and what it does, uh, I'll, I'll run you through it really quickly, it just goes through time um, in, in memoriam, really, um, all the way back through to, to sort of, um, to sort of not prehistoric times, but, but thousands of years ago right. about all the known things about mistakes that have been made by the military over the years. Mm. And Pete, it really does contain some delicious blunders. <laughs> uh, and, does um, anyone pull anything out of someone's bum? 
No, right. we've, we've, we've got to the. Then I'm going to switch off. As I suspected, we had re- we reached a creative high point early <laughs> in the show, um, and I, I actually um, it's, I actually um, earmarked a page here, which I've actually lost. I need to find it now. But it, what mm. it does is it separates it into sections. Um, here it is. Uh, Very few pictures. I'm not having it. No, there's a few. There's a few pictures, yeah. and, and some obviously some of the battles and the mistakes within those battles happened a long time ago. Right, okay. So, but anyway, there's there's a great part that I really want to share with you guys um, about a guy called uh, Major General Sir William Erskine. Right. Mm. He served under the Duke of Wellington in the Napoleonic Wars. Right. Um, um, and this particular tidbit of, of, of his uh, occurred during the Peninsular War, uh, which is a military conflict between um, Britain, Portugal, Spain, mm. and Spain and the Napoleonic Empire um, in the early 19th century. <clears throat> we never talk about these wars, do we? No. We've only got the major two that we got upset about, because there was a clear good and bad. We never talk yeah. about anything else, do we? Mm. No, uh, well, uh, we are going to now, Pete. We're going <laughs> to remedy that now. So anyway, um, du- the Duke of Wellington never wanted Major General Sir William Erskine um, as one of his semen- uh, senior commanders, because, right. um, and as I, as I believe, the appointments was made by, were, made, were made by people other than him at the time. Um, and when he heard that he was getting him as a, as a, as a, as a, mate, as a general, he said, um, Look, I, don't, I don't want him. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he's, he's certifiably insane. <laughs> Uh, and the, the secretary replied to his letter saying, no, ba- no doubt he is a little mad at times, but in his lucid intervals he is an uncommonly clever fellow, and I trust that he will have no fit during the campaign, though I must say he looked a little mad as he embarked. Oh, you're literally saying, yeah, it might be all right, but it probably won't be. <laughs> Look, he's on his way now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calling him back. His fit might be finished by the time yeah. it goes. Oh, man. Anyway, so um, is, is one, of the, one of his, in quotes, greatest achievements was at the Siege of Almeida, where his actions completely thwarted uh, the Duke of Wellington's plans and caused uh, even a man as mild as Wellington to explode. This was the most disgraceful military event that has yet occurred to us. <laughs> right, but it gets better than that, right? There was one point where a, a besieged uh, French garrison was allowed to escape because Erskine failed to guard a, a bridge he was supposed to uh, to guard. Right. Apparently, he was dining with a comrade at four in the afternoon when Wellington's order to guard the bridge reached him. Uh, he requested to send some cavalry and a force of inf- infantry. His initial response was to send a corporal and four men. <laughs> right. His fellow diner broke in. Sir William, you might as well attempt to block the bridge with a pinch of this snuff. Th- th- oh, right, yeah, 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 which, which he, which he did Send that along. He didn't we do. We won't even waste the four men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he, th- he thought better of it, thought, I'll send the whole regiment. But um, he put the order for his colonel into his pocket and forgot to send it. Right. <laughs> this is brilliant. So later on, he realised at midnight and said to one of his colonels, right, get out there now, because this has gone wrong, right? Uh, unfortunately, get snuff out of my sight. It's uh, bad memories. Of course they arrived way too late. The French retreated yeah. successfully. And I'll, and I'll finish this little tidbit about Sir William Erskine by saying, it's not, probably not a laughing matter, but it's very funny to me. He eventually committed suicide by jumping out of a window in Lisbon in 1813 and found dying on the ground by onlookers. His last words as he asked bystanders were, why on earth did I do that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. I thought uh, I thought you might like that. So yeah, here's to you, Major General Sir William Erskine. When you sort of think about um, constructions back in the day as well, if you just jumped out of a window, what's that? Fourth floor maximum? Yeah, I don't know. We didn't have tall buildings. Nineteenth century, mate. Oh, sorry. Yeah, nineteenth right, okay, century. Okay, yeah. Enough, we're, not, we're not going all the way back there. I'm sure he could have found a building. Oh, well, he died, so it worked. Yeah. Yeah. After uttering a brilliant. Uh, not only he died, found time for some pithiness. There was a there was a guy who was telling me about um, who thought he was going to die. He was a, he was um, taking a ski jump, and he took the wrong.
wrong jump, basically. Right. And just as he went <laughs> over, he mouthed, someone saw him mouth the word, bye! Because he <laughs> genuinely thought he, that was him. That was his, uh, that was his goose-cooked, so And uh, what, he survived? He survived. Was it on um, Channel 4's The Jump? <laughs> <laughs> How is that TV show still allowed With Davina McCall, It just yeah. seems to hurt everybody, but people seem to be up for it. I think it's the, probably the challenge of it, isn't it? Because to me... I mean, in my in my amateur opinion, sort of reality TV shows have sort of run their race now. But that, mm. what's happening is they're finding more and more sort of um, risk, aren't they? More sort yeah. of sort of, I guess, manageable risk because a lot of people get injured on that show. I mean, one of the things I found crazy about it um, is that Sir Bradley Wiggins was on it. Right, and, okay. and he's, yeah, and he's, he's, he's achieved everything he can achieve in this discipline. Like, wh- I don't understand what is um, what is motivation for doing it. He wants to be. just say goodbye to his, his knee joints. He just goes, yeah, you know what. I've had, uh, they've been so good to me, I'm going to grind them into dust. If I don't smash these knees in, I'm going to get convinced to ride, ride a bike again. <laughs> That's what he's thinking. <laughs> this is the easiest way I'm doing it. I want to be in stirrups the rest of my life. I, like I had a few quid while I'm doing it. Well, Eddie the Eagle Edwards basically said about the TV show that the celebrities that are involved, they don't really spend a lot of time practising, they just spend the time drinking schnapps. Well, you in, would the, do, uh, you? in the uh, what do you call them? Like a chalet? chalet. Yeah, I guess Let's go so, with yeah. that. At Price Key. But, but the other mm. thing that, that sort of really sort of disappointed me about that jump when I first saw it. It's how how low the, <laughs> the jump is. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, it, it gives you more f- more respect for people like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, who wasn't very good, but goodness no. me, he uh, was crazy enough to do it. Yeah, he did Cause, some cause massive leaps. I think I'm right in saying that the Winter Olympics and stuff, they're jumping 100 metres. Yeah. Huge. 100 metres. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Have you seen the, uh, again, I think it's Japanese, uh, the guys who basically take off a ski jump, they um, roll different um, tyres Right. So these guys just spend their time just sort of rolling tyres and see how far the different kinds of tyres go. So, like, monster truck tyres, uh, big tyres from a truck. And these things, they're like... They could knock a house down with, well, the, with the velocity. Well, they can't the be height. asked to rock, jump off them themselves. They just chuck tyres down. Yeah, they just, they just roll them off. What's the, what is the point of that? See how far the tyres will go. Okay, right. Got to dream big, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safer way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you just sort of just on the side of a tyre just wrote Sir Bradley Wiggins, yeah, would that put a hel- would that be put much? Put a yeah. helmet on it. Yeah, would that be much uh, much different? Really, <laughs> put a sideburns on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a bit of a misery guts. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not I, a huge I, fan. I, I, I don't think he's say. a great. Uh, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not on board with him. I'm not on board with Wiggins mania. If that was ever a thing, I'm, <laughs> I'm not on board mania. with it. I, I prefer the other fella, uh, Chris Froome. I don't know him to be honest. No, nor do I. I think, I, I think they might be why I prefer him. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakle. 
It's the first episode. If you've got a problem in your life and you need a little bit of help, get in touch because we can help. We've lived a little, Luke. Yeah, we have lived a little. A little it, and, and it is the first show, so we haven't any, had any correspondence because we're just telling you about it now. It yeah. would be churlish to assume that you guys would have got in touch. What makes you qualified, Pete? To I own a motorboard. <laughs> so what I've done, Luke, is compile some of the more exciting, more salacious Agony Aunt letters from the world of Agony Auntry on the internet. Do you want to know what makes me qualified? What? I've got four different weather apps on my iPhone. <laughs> have you actually? I bet you have. Yeah, I have. So... I basically got a lot of uh, Agony Ant uh, kind of letters that okay. people have sent in to Agony Ant. Deirdre sort of stuff, yeah. Uh, and uh, this is the sort of thing we'll test even the hardiest advice givers. So we're basically just testing each other out here. See what level we're at. Yeah, yeah, see what okay. level we're at. Okay. This is from the Mumbai Mirror. Okay. Possibly previously the Bombay... Bad boy. Newspaper. <laughs> Bombay Express. <laughs> the Bombay Express. Uh, I am a 63-year-old married man. <laughs> Yeah. Are there any medicines to sexually excite a woman? I'm laughing because you're never going to be married. <laughs> Rude. Are there any medicines to sexually excite a woman? Right, I'm a is, 60, that, is that the question? I'm a 63-year-old married man. Are there any medicines to sexually excite a woman? I have a 50-year-old neighbour who could benefit from it as she has lost her desire to have sex. <laughs> what? How did he even know this? I know. They must have had a chat over the over the wall. And this is authentic. He's this is authentic, in. apparently it is, yeah. Okay. I can only go off what I've been given. Um, I, I mean, do you want me to give my advice to that, or well, does, it, well, does it continue? Well, the advice that this person from the Mumbai Mirror said, her gynaecologist can help her. I'm curious to know why you're so concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. But I, 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 absolutely fair on the, on the behalf of the agony aren't there. But I will say, it is rude to answer a question with a question. So <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. Accept it. You don't want to pull that thread. Also, I would sort of say, if a woman is not sexually excited, uh, go straight for the medicines. Yeah. Are there any medicines? I mean, if we're talking about women who aren't sexually excited, I think you should probably lead on this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the next one. I am 43 years old. Okay. I'm donning a lot of hats here. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, my wife believes that I'm having an extramarital affair, but it's not true. Can we, it... just, can we just crib a jingle of you to say, I'm 43 years old? <laughs> I am 43 years old. <laughs> I'm 43 years old. My wife believes that I'm having an extramarital affair, but it's not true. True. Every day she applies nail polish on my penis to check if I'm being unfaithful. I feel a burning sensation and it hurts me. Please help. That is, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't know why that would prove or disprove whether you are being faithful. Nail polish, uh, nail po- I mean, I'm not a, a particular expert in it, but nail polish isn't something that comes off very easily. Surely you want to... Only if you use nail polish, polish remover. Yeah, right. Even worse. You want to put something on the penis that's easy to remove. So then, yeah. Because then, any activity at all is going to remove it, and then you're going to oh, know. Oh, is that why? Oh, I don't know. I'm you're just thinking, like, exactly... You're in, you're in the same kind of headspace as this crazy woman. But the thing is, anything that's easy to remove from a penis is going to be removed by either a pant or a trouser. <laughs> so, she, I mean, it's, it's a, she's, she's barking at the wrong tree there, I think. Right, OK. I mean, you might as well just go down the road just following him. <laughs> <laughs> just follow him out. Yeah. She's got things on. She's a busy woman. Yeah, you're much more averse. You're much more um, uh, experienced in nail polish than I am, Pete, I would have thought. Not on the uh, winky. No, no, no. I used to uh, very occasionally apply it when I thought I was Brian Mulco. Yeah, I think we all went through that phase. Yeah, we? yeah, we went through that stage. Hartlepool didn't all like it. <laughs> yeah, doesn't go down well in the old home. Doesn't go down well in the old hometown. <laughs> so if you can beat that, do get involved. If you can beat that, beat that. Just keep it good. Keep it good. <laughs> keep it on the. If keep it on the down low. What newspaper was that last one from? Uh, it, I just. Uh, it was you said, from, that you said uh, the Mumbai, the Mumbai, whatever it was. It was copyright John Hamblin. I don't know who John Hamblin is, but okay. uh, well, good luck to him. Good luck. Good luck, good luck John. <laughs>
Good luck, John's John. <laughs> uh, so if you can beat that, if you can do uh, better than that, if you've got a problem at work, if you've got a problem at home, if you just want to say hi... If you've got a problem with us. <laughs> just delete the podcast. <laughs> Unsubscribe. Uh, hello at LukeandPeacher.com. We could probably see him on Twitter or something. Maybe I'll make yeah. the DMs open or something. Okay, yeah. Let's yeah, open our DMs. So make it as easy as possible. <laughs> okay. send, send it wherever you want. Go to Pete's house if you want. <laughs> Put it through my letterbox. Yeah. It's around about the time of the show where I think we need to start a new feature, mm-hmm. Luke. Yeah, uh, I've come up with something. Come on then, Men Carter. Like it? Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. It's one small step for man. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. I mean, yeah. It's a pun immediately, so that that, make, that gets me going. Well, basically, for those of you who are too young to remember, in the mid-90s, there was a famous compact disc ROM, CD-ROM. Mm. Uh, it was an, uh, an encyclopedia that you put into your computer. There was one in the library at my school, and it blew my tiny mind to bits <laughs> when I first saw it, because it had the video on it and everything. Yeah, well, it was called Encarta. It gave you videos, it gave you photographs. It was a, it was a, it was a digital encyclopedia. Yeah. But... If you revisit Encarta, Encarta 95, Encarta 97, I think they stopped after Encarta 98 and it all went online. If you sort of revisit that, it's quite basic. Well, of course it is, because the last 20 years it's happened. Yeah, I know, but it was not exhaustive in the That's first a, place. It didn't predict anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, the only thing that really used to enchant me was the Maradona goal, the Hand of God goal. There and was a great the... thing on basketball. You talked right. in basketball and they played a video of a basketball game. Yeah, and uh, I once got thrown out of a lesson because I copy and pasted the picture of David Bowie they had right. um, several times and printed it out on the printer and I wasted so much printing. Right. And Mrs. Wilkinson said, get out. Uh, actually, no, she first said, what the hell is that? And I said, it's David, David Bowie. Bowie. And she yeah. said, get out. Could have been more embarrassing for you. That. David Bowie's very, very cool. Yeah, um, I know. And, and Let's he, dance, Mrs. Wilkinson. I mean, he, he wasn't quite so cool in about 1995, but no, he was, he was still very, very cool. very much like uh, Little Space Boy kind yeah, of era, Thursday's but, Child. But the reason it was basic is because they had to fit it on the CD-ROM, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's essentially, so they had to really specialise. It's 650 megabytes! Max, Luke, max, that, max. I mean, yeah. we didn't have Blu-rays or DVDs back then, so... So with Menkata, we're going to do things that we would add to it. Yeah. So, so basically, in the spirit of the fact that Wikipedia is full of absolute... It's full of some good stuff, but it's full of absolute nonsense because yeah. everyone's just got involved. Mm. Like most of the internet has been ruined by people like us. Yeah. So we're really gonna only going to specialise and go with the really good stuff and add it to Mencarta. Yes. And we'll call it Man- Mencarta 2017 or something. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right, right, then let's cool. go Okay, cool. what, you got? what have we got? Um, are you familiar with uh, the um, gloopy substance that is uh, molasses? Yes, I am. Molasses, yeah. Do you uh, want to tell people what it is if they don't know? Uh, it's, a, it's a byproduct of um, sugarcane refinery. It's like a, I would call it like almost a um, very thick dark brown uh, syrupy type um, mm. almost like treacle it's like a, it, it tastes a little bit like licorice it's like thick spreadable licorice it's sweeter stuff. than that though isn't it yeah yeah. not quite as bitter it's, no. it's, it is delicious I love it I used to have it on um, bread every so you, again. You'll put that's a, bad in it that yeah it's bad. quite bad and that's why I have diabetes <laughs> and no teeth <laughs> yeah, so you're putting molasses into the Mencarta no I'm not putting tea. molasses I'd, oh, okay. it might already be in there to be fair you're I'm right. putting the great molasses flood of January the 15th 1919 well, tell me more, because I, my, 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 I genuinely know nothing about this, and my interest is bloody peaked. So basically, the Great Molasses Flood. In Boston, yeah. in 1919, on that fateful day, obviously very cold, there was an unholy £26 million 
worth of molasses uh, that flooded the entirety of the north end of, uh, of Boston, uh, engulfed in molasses, travelling at 35 miles per hour, ripping houses from their foundations. Uh, it killed 21 people, injured uh, hundreds more. Uh, people just suffocating. People just in molasses. in molasses, and the obviously the rescue effort of trying to rescue people out of what is basically black quicksand is almost nigh on impossible. How, how did this even happen? So basically, there was a, a company uh, that uh, was in the business of creating medical alcohol, but right. then obviously uh, prohibition was coming in. Yeah. And so uh, they tried to outpace the pr- prohibition order, uh, which was actually ratified the next day, with good cause, obviously. Right. Um, and they overstocked, I think it was from Puerto Rico, they, they, they just brought a whole load of molasses in to refine into medical alcohol uh, because they wanted to beat the ban. But the tank they chose to uh, put the molasses in was not even worth the word tank. It was mm. dreadful. It was a dreadful tank. And they, they a travesty tra- of a tank. It was a travesty of a tank. And it basically just killed a lot of people, spread it into subway platforms. Uh, they tried it make out that the tank had been blown up by anarchists but what actually happened was um, fermentation uh, there was colder, older uh, molasses in the, in the tank in the first right. place where was the and tank then, on land? So yeah, it was on land. Oh, so it, it basically it, it, right. So I, I was of thinking it. of like an oil slick, like a, 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 um, a ship had turned. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was literally just. On, it was quite close to the coast, but it was on. Uh, it was on land. Uh, imagine the Battersea um, gas tanks. You know, those big yeah. kind of like tanks that go right. down. Right. Okay. Yeah. At, yeah, the, yeah. Old, at the old gas works. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the walls of the tank were, were way too thin, it, and apparently it was due to the fact that the uh, the, the the iron uh, steel mix um, contained no manganese. Right. So it was all manganese's fault. The, the tank in the first instance would constantly leak anyway, and that's why they painted it brown, so no one would notice that there was loads of molasses being leaked, and people would actually. Uh, a lot more it. sort of fast and loose back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, or, or slow and goopy. Well, yeah. Well, you said thirty mile an hour. That's well, quite yeah. Fast. Apparently, well, um, I think some MIT students uh, about two or three years ago they tested out how fast. Molasses or things of that viscosity would uh, suddenly uh, would suddenly start rumbling down the street, and apparently, yeah, that, that's that's about accurate. Thirty-five miles an hour. Bloody student. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the famous that Boston isn't... elevated railway was twisted up by it as well. Right, it's just very hard to clear the entirety of Boston with, from the molasses because obviously it's very sticky. But, yeah, it's yeah, mainly sugar. Well, I had two questions. One was that, mm. so I imagine the answer. Seawater was very... the answer. Apparently, right. normal water wouldn't do it. Right. Okay. So the fire, the fire brigade had to bring in seawater. And the second thing I'm, I'm sort of fascinated about is that was the tank of molasses so big that people of, of Boston or of that area of Boston knew oh shit it's those molasses or did they just think what the <laughs> fuck is that what is that no, they, apparently the people who used to live near the molasses uh, tank Mm. And I can't believe we're talking about molasses tanks this early in, in our run of shows. I know. Um, they would go over to the tank and where the big bricks in the tank with a, with a bowl of porridge. would come and collect. Well, would come and collect. <laughs> would come and collect it and take it back home for their right. house. I think they would refine it into their own alcohol and uh, admit their own illegal alcohol. Speaking of that train at, um, um, at Boston, Boston's mm. a fascinating city for a number of reasons. Been there many a time, um, but one of the things that's just reminded me of is that do you know that they had such bad uh, traffic congestion in Boston that they took one of the highways mm. and they just sunk it into the ground. They what do you mean? They basically they just dug a massive trench and sunk it into a tunnel and just built over the top of it. Oh, that's clever. So they put it through. The, they basically put it in the ground. That's like to the uh, congestion. Uh, it's like the um, the Shibuya um, canals. Stop going oh, back to Japan. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just, yeah well, they, did they, the uh, molasses reach Japan? No, wrong, <laughs> wrong coast. It's the wrong coast. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be more than happy to put the Great Molasses Flood of 1919 into Mankata 2017. Yeah. I think it's a worthy entrant. Apparently, for yeah, for years afterwards, um, the whole area smelt of uh, molasses. It could be worse. I mean, it could be worse than that. I mean, it would get very sickly. Do you know, you know um, I'll tell you what that reminds me of. There is a town in Scotland 
Mm. And I want to say Ullapool, but I don't think it is Ullapool. That might be where the Tunnocks factory is based. Oh, lovely. Right? And that, that the ho- apparently the whole town smells of, of Tunnocks caramel the whole time. The chocolate is terrible on those things, but for some reason it's, it's greater than the sum of its parts. They're just delicious. They're, they, are, they are as delicious, if not more so, than some of those military blunders in that book. <laughs> <laughs> they are delicious. Stop trying to get your military blunders in uh, two that, features. Listen, there'll be some more next week, because some of those blunders <laughs> are, del- are delicious. Um, all right, cool. Oh, soft and spongy. Dip it in your tea. I know, right? Um, do you want? Can I, can I give you an entry then? I've got a couple here lined up. Yeah, we'll um, see if it'll... Pass muster. Pass muster. Pass okay, right. Us. Would you be interested, Peter, if I were to uh, potentially regale you and, and hopefully entertain you with talk of the euthanasia roller coaster? Do you know about this? I think I might have heard this, you know, but okay. I heard of it. Well, listen, let me bring it up to speed in case you, in case you haven't. This, the euthanasia coaster, or the euthanasia roller coaster, um, is and was a roller coaster designed in 2010 by Royal College of Art student Juli Honas Obonas, which is a great name. <laughs> Juli Honas Obonas. Yeah, who, which, which is essentially designed to kill its passengers. Right, okay. So it's a roller coaster d- designed conceptually... Um, specifically to kill people in a state of uh, prolonged elegance and euphoria associated with cerebral hypoxia. So, ah. so what it does, and if you, it's a diagram um, that, that accompanies this story, which of course is absolutely no use on on, on a podcast. But um, are there it, many loop de loops? There are many, many loop de loops. Um, it starts off uh, at a height of five hundred meters, right? And um, you descend obviously rapidly, uh, and then essentially you go through loop the loop after loop the loop, and they get smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh. So essentially, you're 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 killed through, like I say, cerebral hypoxia, where where you can't get any oxygen to your to your brain. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about it is um, is that um, there's extra loops on the end to take into account particularly hardy or robust <laughs> passengers because what? some people um, so what we're talking about here is essentially death by g-force right yeah. so when you get to like 10g or something 10 yeah. times the force of gravity on your body yeah. your, your body can yeah. no longer pump blood around yeah. your body into your brain you die and your innards start to liquefy it but of, course, but of course some people are, are, are much more mm. capable of dealing with that so hence they become astronauts or yeah. air force parts or whatever mm. and so there's just loop the loops that go smaller and smaller and smaller um, and I just thought it was fascinating if you look at it it's almost like it's the, 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 the design of it, the architecture of it, it's like at one point, in one way, just absolutely beautiful, mm. but on the other hand, just horrific. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, I don't think you really see stuff that often, which you think that is beautiful and horrific at the same time. Yeah, I mean, like you know, when you see like those... when you're naked, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I have many loops, um, mm. and they get smaller and smaller. Um, and yeah, the, the, you know, when you see like uh, astronauts, they're on the G force testy machine thing, yeah, and they spin around and. You know when you see someone like falling asleep, like a dog falling asleep, you go, oh, that's adorable. Yeah. When they just can't keep their eyes open. Yeah. When you see the astronauts or astronauts to be, uh, or pilots to be, sort of start nodding off, mm. it's lovely to watch. It is, yeah. you, like, they, they can't help themselves and they just oh, go, oh, sleepy time see, now. Sleepy time now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I know, what you mean, I know what you mean. Absolutely. I've never felt the uh, kiss of a, of a G force. Was, uh, the closest I've ever been was there was this flight simulator in NASA. Uh, what were you doing to, there? Just messing about. Well, you mean Cape Canaveral where you can uh, go for, as a tourist? No, I went to Houston and I oh, went okay, to, right, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's kind of like a museum of, uh, of NASA. But uh, yeah. they, uh, they gave you like um, this flight simulator thing and you could control uh, the flight sim and uh, basically it's you and a co-pilot and you can spin the plane, the fighter jet that you're controlling upside down. Right. So you actually experience... So you actually go upside yeah, down. Yeah, so you well. actually go upside okay, down. Right. Yeah. And I hilariously timed it so that uh, my friend's head was in the right position uh, and I'd spat my chewing gum out in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> you Which are I a... think this is sort of the banter that you get as a, as a pilot. You are a dreadful friend. <laughs> 
but an excellent pilot. They, they say, well, speaking of that, they say um, uh, this is probably apocryphal, but I'll, I'll regale it anyway, just 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 for fun. They say that a, a good pilot, a good passenger pilot, airline pilot, right, can um, barrel roll a plane, yeah. without you even knowing about it. Because they, if it's dark and it's nighttime and you can't see out the window anyway, they can do it at perfect one G the whole time. Oh, so you so stick you, to your. So you basically just stay exactly where you were. You never know. So I, I think <gasps> I, 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 death. I, I, I would I would doubt heavily <laughs> that it's ever been done. Yeah. Even Denzel Washington in the film Flight couldn't pull that off. If there are any, if but in theory, apparently Sullenberger exactly fly that off. The great Sully. The man. I mean, what I would say is that like if there are any airline pilots listening, maybe, yeah. do, maybe do it in the sim. Do it in the sim. Yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe spit your chewing gum out. <laughs> someone hit someone in the head. Oh. Um, I've got one more that I thought you might be interested in. Yes. Um, it, it starts uh, with two words, Peter. Right. Bat bombs. Okay. Do you know about this? No. Right, good. Because I was a bit disappointed you heard but of hang the, on, so hang the on, a, a, a bomb... Uh, a bomb in a bat? No. A bomb that looks well, like a bat? Well, well, sort of. You're halfway right. there. Okay. okay. Basically, think. Basically, this is an experimental weapon developed by the United States to attack Japan in World War Two. Stop bringing up Japan. Well, listen, <laughs> it's the come, it's comeback time. Stop bringing up bat bombs yeah. in Japan. Basically, the idea being, and if you look at the photo, it's fascinating to see that they look like little bat houses, but shaped like a bomb. Oh, oh. So hundreds of bats would be put inside each bomb-shaped case and drop from a bomber at dawn. I don't know why at dawn, right. but at dawn. The case would deploy a parachute in mid-fly and open to release the bats, each of which would have a small incendiary charge attached. The bats would then fly into houses, I guess because it's dawn, so they would want to they get somewhere dark. They would want to get somewhere dark, right. And their tiny bombs would explode, and here's the key thing, which would then, in theory, start fires everywhere because so much of Japanese cities were built with wood. Right, Okay. And they t- trialled and tested it and invested $2 million <laughs> in, in doing this um, before the plans were shelved in 1944. See, this is... War's going to be over in a minute. <laughs> is this going to go or not? I mean, I, I just think they were oh, they were a bit more creative back in the day, weren't they? They, were, they, they, be, thought, yeah. they thought laterally. Necessity is the mother of invention, that's yeah. basically why. What year was this? When was this? Well, they were, they were, they were sort of um, trialled and, 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 and looked into and invested in for, for a while. Right. But they were shelved in, 19, in 1944. I was in 1994. So, <laughs> yeah. Some of those mad uh, kind of uh, tanks they made and stuff, like, like apparently Hitler had loads of different kind of crazy designs. Yeah, the, the, Nazis, were, the Nazis were well known for, for all that sort of... They, they, yeah. I, think, I think they experimented with like um, UFO-type shit Right. As well. Apparently, one of the uh, ideas was to get the Allied forces on a roller coaster. <laughs> so Shut you're, up. you're in for a lovely roller coaster. Loop the loop over and over again. Yeah. Over again so yeah. You know that um, ro- you define your roller coaster that you haven't designed for another sixty years. Um, Two thousand ten. That was today. Um, <laughs> how many people can you get on it? How many million people yeah. can you get on? It? <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> no one would have expected to go out that way, Pete. <laughs> anyway, I think I think the Great Molasses uh, flood of nineteen nineteen is the standout candidate to go into Mencarta to okay. twenty seventeen. There, so and bat bombs, bat bombs. Well, listen, do we need bat bombs at this stage? At this early stage, <laughs> it might be a bit chaotic. What What was a bag bomb? Because when I was a kid, that was how to do a, a Scouse accent. Oh no, it's a bag bomb. I don't know what that is. No, I don't no. know. It's good to oh, know. No, it's a bat bomb. It's good to know that even people in sort of um, inner city Hartlepool were still trying to do Scouse accents. Because people <laughs> in the South were as well, because we were yeah. fascinated by accents, because in the South we didn't have an accent, you see. So. Well, you, did, you do have an accent. Not, not really. We'll both look after Luke. We'll both look after Luke. If he feels sad with that mum and dad, we'll both look after Luke. Oh, no, it isn't you, Katie. It's Pete. You're too soft-hearted with that boy. Well, this has been a trip, hasn't it? A journey. A journey. We've had... We've had molasses. We've had molasses. Mm. It's been very edible. 
<laughs> it, started with, it started with a licky ghost. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show and say hello, uh, we, we do have an email address. We've set it up. Hello at lukeandpeteshow.com for Agony Uncles, Men Carter 2017, anything you want to get in touch with. If, and we'll... if you've got problems with your landlord, if you've got problems with your mum and your dad, if you've got problems with your kids even, yeah. if you've got, maybe you've just stolen some trousers from a witch. I don't think we should be talking about how to bring up kids. <laughs> Other than that, I agree. Okay, right. Pete, please say goodbye to the lovely listeners. Goodbye to the lovely listeners. Don't steal a witch's pants. And it's goodbye from me. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakle. <tryk>